might not come off. Okay, you got your Bibles this morning? You ready to come around the Word? You know, it's important that the Scriptures, that was, I should say, the Word that was brought to us this morning from Kath and from Paul was something that when, when Paul began to read that Scripture last week, something God spoke to me as I was praying. Praying, uh, God answered me through the Scripture that was being read. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me because I was praying some intense things. He said, if you keep on declaring, that which you're declaring will suddenly turn up in the temple. So that was the day. I really felt like God cut me a deal last week. Seriously, I felt like from his covenant, God gave me a promise that if I do what I do, he will do what he does. So there always has to be a season of uh, proclamation or proclaiming. So it's right. You know, God can't do anything until his word goes forth. Very often... People want signs, wonders, and miracles, but they don't want the word. God only works with one substance. That's his own word. Amen? So if you don't love his word, you can never love God. Because the way to God's heart is through his word. Hello? Come on. So if you don't read your Bible, and you don't fellowship in the word, and you come here and you try and worship your way into heaven, it won't work. If you don't read your Bible and you're not a lover of the word, don't try and worship your way into heaven. Because you're not a lover of his word. The the only software that God's looking for is his word. Is his word found in you? And if his word's found in you, then heaven has no problem finding you. Because heaven can always deposit another word inside of you. You're very quiet this morning. I take it, this is not your weak spot then. This should be your strength. We are people of the word. I didn't say we're theologians. I didn't say we're all the fount- we are the fount of knowledge. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we must at least have a desire for God's word. God speaks to us from his word. Doesn't he? There is no other things that God uses. All things come from his word and back to his word. And through his word. That's, the, that's just the way your father works. Amen? So, last week we were looking at Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer. Everybody remember him now? And uh, who was born in 1915. Sorry, 1517. 1915. He's a little bit older than that. He's a little bit older than that. And he challenged Pope Leo. And he challenged him over Catholic, uh, Catholic error. And... So much so that he went to the Wittenberg Gate and nailed 95 theses, uh, reasons, excuses, uh, errors that he found in the Catholic Church. And he made his statement by nailing them on the wall, uh, nailed to the door, I should say. Now, if you went to the Houses of Parliament and you put your petition and nailed it to the front door of number 10, do you think it would make a statement? Of course it would. Absolutely. That's if you could get that close. If you went to Buckingham Palace and you put your, uh, you know, all, all the things, reasons what you don't like about a democracy, uh, about a monarchy, should say, do you think, if you could get that close, do you think it would make a statement? You sure would. 
So when he did that, he knew what he was doing. He made his statement. And we said last week that men like that become game changers. Game changers in our world, in our society. And uh, the thing about Martin Luther is this, what we looked at last week, and he explained to you in, in full detail. So if you weren't here last week, you'd have to listen to the podcast. Was that Martin started out as a hero, but definitely became a villain. And the thing that really made it, turned his heart was because once he, did, once he challenged the Catholic Church that the just shall live by faith. In other words, it's not by works you're saved, but it's by faith. Once he challenged that, he got many, many people, uh, many members, many followers, many believers. And uh, they're called the Lutherans today. But what happened was he thought his message was so popular, he couldn't understand why the, Jew, the Jews would not accept his message. Well, it's obvious, Martin. Do some, read your Bible and find out. And because he, uh, they wouldn't respond to his message, he allowed bitterness and anger and frustration into his own heart. And the moment you allow bitterness, anger and frustration into your own heart, you speak different. As you begin to speak, you release a different attitude and a different spirit. You give, you give a, a, a license for demonic spirits to operate. That's why forgiveness always triumphs over unforgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is a spirit of love. It's a spirit of Christ. Where unforgiveness, the world has already got unforgiveness. It's already got bitterness. It's already got anger. So there is no accountability if you just keep speaking uglies at people. But you know, to actually forgive people takes an awful lot of courage. It takes courage and strength. And Martin didn't have this courage and strength. And as a result, we saw his actions then began to persecute the Jews. And then later on, Hitler picked it up and then used Martin Luther as a blueprint and as a license to justify the Holocaust. And that's how things happen. So the things that you do today, the things that you say today, if you leave them in your family... Your children can pick them up and they can use dad's words, mum's words as a reason for them doing what they do. And they'll use you as the license and as the benchmark. And that's how generational behavior continues. But it takes a game changer to turn around and say, I don't like the way my dad spoke to me. I'm not going to speak to my children like that. My dad used to speak to me, he used to call me stupid. That was my nickname, stupid. So guess what I grew up as? Stupid. And then I began to use that language over Carol. And God began to show me. And when God began to show me, guess what? I became a game changer. Because I then began to change the way I spoke and the way I saw Carol. And I realized that it was my dad's words coming through me. And my dad's frustrations and my dad's anger. I never got to find out why my dad did that. I just knew that I was the recipient of what he did. And every one of us in this room are recipients of our fathers or our forefathers. It's amazing. Sometimes you're talking, you say, oh, your granddad was like that. Yeah? We've all got behaviors which come from somewhere and were the result of something. Yeah? So, 
Luther's revelation of how we can be saved through faith was and still is a powerful revelation. It is an unbelievable revelation that I do not have to work to gain salvation. But once I get salvation, I need to work. Let me make that very clear. I do not need to work to get salvation. But once I get salvation, Christ expects me to find his work. There is no unemployment in the kingdom. But the church sure looks like she's unemployed. Jesus said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest field. Why? Because that's the one place where the church has not yet entered into is the harvest field. So there is mass unemployment in the church. It's amazing. All of you go to jobs and careers, but in the church, we're all unemployed. All we know is we sit on our blessed assurance. And Jesus, when Jesus comes back, he's looking back for, a, for faith. Why do you need faith if you've not got to work? It's your work. So, I wanted, now I don't think it's going to work, Ralph, but let's see. No, it's not going to work. For some reason, we can't get this video to work. That's a real shame, because I wanted to show you how, through Martin Luther's message, how it's changed the world. And this video would have shown you that, but what you, don't cry over what you can't have. We'll get it right next time. I have two videos in here to show you which would have been game changers. But because I can't, I'm going to have to work even harder now this morning. Okay? So if you listen as well as I speak, we'll get there. Okay? So in that video, you would have seen... That was a brilliant video, by the way. It's a brilliant video. <laughs> in that video, you would have seen how Islam... Is it coming on? No, no. You're way ahead of me. Hey, don't steal me thunder now. Come on, get back. In that video, which was brilliant by the way, you would have seen how the five religions have all had their impact upon the earth. So it would have been Hindu, Christianity, uh, Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism. Thank you. You would have seen how they've all had their influence over the world. And you see a world map, and you see through the time how certain parts of the world was infiltrated and then it advanced and then it decreased. And as it began to decrease, a new religion began to take emphasis on the earth. And it finishes in the video with Christianity virtually filling three quarters of the earth. And, but if we hadn't have had a, uh, a Protestant Reformation, that would not have been possible. So Martin Luther started out as a very, very key instrument in, in the hands of God. And he's still, even though he finished badly, because God uses all things. God knew what he would be like. That's why God's sovereign. You say, that's unfair. Hey, he used Judas, didn't he? So if he used Judas, he can use whoever he wants. So let's play the old song. It's not how you start. Right. Martin had his moment of glory and he's got centuries of shame. Don't have centuries of shame. Don't have a generation of shame in your family. If you come from a generation of shame, block it today. See it for what it was. Stand up. Make a different proclamation and go another way. Amen? So in... We're at the, Paul, uh, sorry, the scripture that Paul read out to us this morning was from Malachi. 
And I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And we said that in order for God to come, there has to be a season of proclamation. Church, you cannot get a new season of God without a new proclamation. Now hear what I'm saying when I say proclamation. I'm not talking about general preaching. I'm not just talking about general speaking. I'm talking about prophetically declaring something. That's what a new proclamation is. You declare, when John the Baptist came, he came with a whole new message. It was a message that had not been, not been spoken on the earth. The prophets had spoken it out, I suppose, but it never come in its entirety like John was speaking. He challenged every system that was on the earth. So he began to declare a whole new move of God. Messiah's coming. Behold, he's the king. He's the one. I'm not unworthy. I'm unworthy to untie his sandals. There's one coming who's greater than me. He must increase. I must decrease. He was proclaiming the Christ. So when we begin to prophetically get into a church and we begin to speak what heaven's declaring to us as a church, that's why, because God is about to move in that specific way. We're not just talking about general speaker, teaching and preaching. We're talking about proclamation. Sending something out into the airways that's going to get every religious devil mad. And it's going to bring every, every intense focus on the earth. When the birth of Christ was announced, Satan went mad. All the demonic forces went looking for him. But it had been announced. The prophets told about it. And here he is. Angels turn up. Shepherds turn up. Wise men. Every, heaven is moving all it can to get the proclamation on the earth. Yes? So whenever there's a proclamation, it takes a new declaration. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. It's not a new proclamation. It's not a new proclamation. It's been, this is a proclamation for 2,000 years. Jesus came proclaiming, John came proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom. The apostles came proclaiming the kingdom. You're here, you should be proclaiming the kingdom. This is a 2,000 year proclamation, but it is still as fresh and as relevant today as the day it was first spoken. So what we need to do is we need to pick up the emphasis of heaven. So when we pick up the emphasis of heaven, we feel the urgency and the weight of time. Hello? So when we pick up the urgency and the weight of time, then we need to declare it in our fields, in our careers, in our jobs, in our environments of influence. Yes? So that's how we do it. We go into our environment and we begin to declare the kingdom of God is here. So we said that the kingdom of God to come on the earth, it's a process. For Christ to be revealed, the church to be reformed, the city to be transformed, that takes a process. It's not just going to happen today or tomorrow. We've got to understand how it can unfold. How can I unpack this in my life? True? Christ needs to be revealed. How many would you say Christ needs to be revealed? He needs to be revealed more and more in my life. In your life. I cannot, I cannot go and... Um, go into my environment, the more I know about Christ, the more he's revealing his will to me, 
the more I feel empowered. The more I feel empowered to do what he's asking me. So the kingdom, if the kingdom of God is to come on the earth, who's it going to come on? Well done, John. Top of the class. Give that boy a sweet. The kingdom of God is coming, is going to come on someone. But the question is, every individual in here has to answer who. So once you've answered the who, the next question is why. Why should the kingdom of God come on you in power? Well, I'm quite happy going to church. That's not the kingdom. That's called going to church. Well, I pray every day. Well, that might be the kingdom, but that also could be religion. God knows who are the kingdom people and who are the religious people. God, only God knows. It's not for us to say he is and she isn't. Only God knows. So working on that principle, God first of all, I should say you must of all, find your voice. Now every one of us in here, fortunately, has got a voice. Yes? We can all speak. If I ask you who you are, you can all tell me your name, tell me your rank, and tell me your number. Yes? You can tell me. So you must have a voice. When you find your voice, you must then find your message. There can be no proclamation without a voice. Even sign language is a voice. Yeah? So don't be thinking, well, what happens if you can't speak? You can. Everything speaks. Creation speaks. The rocks cry out. When was the last time you saw the rocks speak? Unless it was Fraggle Rock. Everything can speak. God made everything to have a sound. So everyone can speak. Everything can speak. And everything does speak. So you must find your voice. Your voice, then, you must find your message. Now, when you found your voice and your message... Hopefully, God's got to find a messenger. See, many of you can speak. Many of you can share. Many of you can tell stories. Many of you can, re- can read. Some of you can speak, preach, I should say. But is there a messenger? So the voice and the message together in the man, in the woman, becomes the messenger. When the messenger comes to their feet, guess what happens? Christ is revealed. Christ is revealed. So if if, 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 uh, Eric gets up this morning and begins to speak, and the voice and the message and the messenger come together, the three in one, begin to speak, hopefully, from what he speaks, Christ begins to be revealed. And all he did was come up to the front and begin to speak. And from what you speak, Christ begins to be revealed. Now, can you imagine... If more and more people begin to speak and find their voice in the church and the message in the church, can you imagine how reformed the church becomes? Think about it. You see, you sit here each week, you take your notes, but do you do anything with them? So at the end of the year, you've got a nice pad compiled full of notes. But what did you do with those notes? Well, I just wrote them down. Whoa, well, gee. So what you did then is you showed us you could write. You didn't do anything with them. So you become a hearer only, but not a doer. That's what James tells us in the Bible. Don't be hearers, be doers. Be a hearer and a doer. Don't just be a hearer. Amen? So 
The moment the church begins to be mobilized and finds her message and finds her voice, each individual. See, when we talk about the church, we've got to stop talking about the church. And we've got to start, excuse me, we've got to start putting names on things. Because when we talk about the church, we never think it's us. We always think it's someone else we're having a pop at. So we need to streamline it down. We need to say, in the Dream Center, there's Andy Duffield, there's Dave Tilbrook, and there's Phil. Three of them are not doing anything with what they've been taught. Or, in the Dream Center, in Manchester, Drawlsdon, there are three wise men. And they're proclaiming the kingdom king. Let's get specific so we know where the kingdom's falling, on who it's falling, and what they're saying. Because the world is looking for men to polarize around. And you're looking for a pastor to get up and declare when the pastor's looking for the body to get up and go out. Going to church does not get you any medals. You get medals, last time I looked, you get medals for combat. True? So, if we're going to get a crown, let's get it for a reason. I don't want, I don't want to be in heaven and get the best church attender. Do you? And here we are on the big night on the Oscars, on the judgment night. As Phil's already talked, talked to us about, on the big Oscars, I get a Tony Award when I could have had an Oscar. Who wants a Tony Award when there's an Oscar on? True? And the Tony Award goes to, of all person, Tony. Why? Because he was the best church attender. He went every Sunday. He turned up, all things bright and beautiful. He never missed Wonderful. Back of the queue. But here's Phil. Ladies crowned down. Witness, became a voice, became a messenger. Did what I asked him to do. Went where I asked him to go. Here's the crown. Which one would you want? A Tony Award or an Oscar? Well, maybe you might want the Tony Award. Or you might want a dafter. Not a bafter, a dafter. A dafter award. So the church becomes reformed when the voice begins to let loose. Yeah? And as the church becomes reformed, the whole church is mobilized. And as we become mobilized, guess what? Piece by piece, little by little, section by section, our city becomes transformed. Little by little. Piece by piece, section by section, area by area, kingdom begins to be transformed. I wish I could have shown you that video. It would have given me great ammunition to tell you how the kingdom advances. Well, we'll get the video because we'll get it sorted out. Just not tonight, today, should say. The issue has always been the kingdom, my friends. It always has been the kingdom. And the kingdom will always be an issue. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father has set by his own authority. The issue of those disciples was they were hoping that Jesus would come and reinstall the kingdom back to Israel. But this wasn't the kingdom of Israel that Jesus was pushing. Jesus was pushing the kingdom of heaven. And how the kingdom of heaven must come to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. 
So his kingdom must come where? On planet earth. When? Now. Where? In every generation. In every city. In every city. I don't care that Britain's becoming more and more um, populated by different cultures. I'm not, so, I'm not so bothered about that to some degree. It gives us great opportunity to see the kingdom reach nations. It's a lot easier for the missionary to save his flight. Doesn't need now to go to Africa or to India. Why? Because there's such a large population of those people here. And if you get them saved, guess what? They'll go back. And that's why a book is powerful. A book can travel places that you could never go. The penny's mightier than the... So Jesus understanding the significance of his kingdom and how powerful it will be, he releases who I call the ultimate game changer. The ultimate game changer is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Why? Because now the Holy Ghost can fall on everyone. The power of the kingdom, the person of the kingdom, is now given to everybody. In the Old Testament, it would come on certain people and then come off. Wax on, wax off. You seen the movie? Forget it, okay. It's the gospel according to the, uh, what's it called? Karate kid, that's it. But now... The Holy Ghost was going to be poured out and given to all those who would ask. So the kingdom now has got a leader. It's got the power. It's got a message. It's got a force. It's got miracles. It's got signs and wonders. Everything we need for changing the game is now on earth. The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Heiligen Ghost, as they say in German. What a power. Tell me what other religion has got the Holy Ghost. And yet, why is it many of them seem to do far more without no power than we do with the power? Come on. Why is it more religions, or so the many religions are doing far more with no power than we are with the power to, of the Holy Ghost. Maybe they have more faith in their message than you do, and I do, which is a shame. So in Acts 1 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So there's the voice, there's the message, and the messenger. The Holy Ghost is coming with his power to empower the voice, the message, and the messenger. The Holy Ghost has been given to you to empower the voice, come on, the message, and the messenger. But I sit there and won't open my mouth. So there's no power coming through because you won't open your mouth. Because you sit there and you've got a Tony Award for the best church attender. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take a pretty good guess this morning. I don't think any of us need saving. Why? Because we're all saved. So guess what? We're changing nothing sat in here. 
True? Come on. This is the empowering, the, the refueling station for going out there. Yes? This is key. This is key. Let's not minimize this. No, 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 no. We can't do that. But this is the fuel station for getting out there. So the Holy Ghost says you're going to be a witness. Where do you need to be a witness? Outside. You don't need to be a witness inside. True? You need to be a witness outside. But I've got a nice Bible, Pastor. I've got a nice pen. I've got, have you even got an iPad? Guess what? You don't need a pen, you don't need a Bible, and you don't need an iPad outside. You need you. You're the voice. You can't go to the world out there with a PowerPoint presentation that doesn't work like mine. <laughs> you can see I'm no techno-apostle. So, let's strip away all the fandangle and let's get down to basic stuff. It's called a voice and a message with a messenger. What was John? A voice calling in the wilderness. But now you've got the Holy Ghost. You've got the Holy Ghost. So he says this. The word for the Holy Ghost is paraclete. He's your partner. He's leading. He's the one guiding, guarding, and governing your life. He's the one leading us into all truth. He's the one who says, that person over there, go and speak to them. And leave your iPad, leave your Bible, and leave your pen. You don't need it. And your PowerPoint presentation, just go and be the word. You think, what am I going to say? Well, open your mouth, and and we'll find out the strength of your voice. Open your mouth, and we'll find the strength of your convictions. Well, maybe I don't know much. Well, it's about time you did by now, because you told me you take a lot of notes in church. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Did you never think one day you might have to cash them in? They're like nectar points. Those notes you take are nectar points. Someday you're going to spend them and use them. Yes? Never thought of that, did you? You don't want a dafter award. You will receive power. What that means? That heaven has given you permission. Permission. And the expectancy is expected from heaven. When the Holy Ghost comes. Now, has the Holy Ghost been poured out? Yes. It's poured out. The very fact that we're here, we're speaking tongues, worship the way we do. This is evidence that the Holy Ghost is poured out and it's living in many of us. Amen. So he's he's describing a time when his power and the person will turn up. But we've already, because of our generation now, we've already surpassed that. He's been, and now he's living inside us. But he was announcing this to a generation who had not yet seen him. Yes? So the Holy Ghost is a game changer. Come on, the Holy Ghost in you, the Holy Ghost in you is the game changer. I want you to see this. The Holy Ghost living in you is the game changer. You can say what you want, do what you want, but without the Holy Ghost, you're nothing. Any church that does not allow the Holy Ghost in, get out. Because it's a man-made church. What right do we have to tell the Holy Ghost he can't come in? And any church that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, in other words, is putting a block and a lid on the revelation. Because only the Holy Ghost can reveal it. His job is to reveal what the Father's saying. 
So we don't want liturgy, we don't want tradition, we don't want uh, religion. We want the living word. Amen? We want fresh manna. And then he says, on you. When the Holy Ghost comes, I'm going to give him to you. So he's very specific on who he's going to fall on. <coughs> to all those who ask, he gave him the power to receive, the power to become. That power through the Holy Ghost. You cannot get saved without the Holy Ghost. He's the one who convicts you. And then he says, so when the power comes, why? You will be my witness. Now I want you to just pause for a minute. The command of heaven is that you will become his witness. That's the command of heaven, that you will become my witness. So what is your role in life? Right, so quit saying, I don't know what my destiny is. Stop saying, I don't know what my destiny is. You do. He's just told you. You will be my witnesses. Now, here's the point. This is where destiny gets interesting. Because you'll be, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria or other parts of the world. So some get the joy of going to Manchester, living in Manchester, because Acts 17 tells us that it's God who chose the places and the times where we should all live. So God chose me to be a Mancunian. I could have been, I could have been a Melbourneian, but I wouldn't want to be that. He made you a Melbourneian. He made me a Mancunian. He might have made you just weird. But, the, listen, the point is, he made you, created you to be a witness in a place. In a place. Now, we know we move. We move around. That's okay. Because God's accounted for that. God's accounted for that. No problem. Now, every time I've tried to get out of Manchester to go somewhere else, I tried to emigrate to Australia. I tried to be a missionary in Germany. It fell flat on, on, I said, it fell flat on my face. What's God telling me? You're made for here. You will go to other nations, but this is where I want you to build. Because from here, I'm going to touch the nations and we're going to send people out into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, into all the other ends of the earth. Why? Because, but we need a base to send people out. Why? Because we want clear, specific mandate. Proclaim the king and his kingdom. You will be my witnesses. So quit saying, I don't know what my destiny is. So we know now, if you live in Manchester, let me just keep, let's just do a litmus test here. If you live in Manchester, where do you think you should be? I say rocket science. Okay, now you're doing very well now, you're progressing. Let's go to stage two. If I live in Manchester, what do you think I should be doing in Manchester? You passed the test. You passed the destiny test this morning. Well done, Dream Centre. How hard was that? And witness where you live. Mm, revelation number one. Witness where you live. Number two. 
witness to those who you know. No. No. Can't be that easy. Really. Witness to those who you know. Wow. This is deep, Pastor. I've got another one for you there. Revelation number three. Witness where you're accepted. (gasps) Is it that easy? It is. So witness where you live. Witness to those who you know. Witness to where your message is accepted. And when you get called to go to somewhere else, he'll let you know. He'll let you know. And he'll let us know. So that we can get behind what the Holy Ghost is doing and we can send you. Amen? UPS. We can send you out there. We can support. We can go behind you. We can be be behind you once we've witnessed the Holy Ghost is doing it in your life. Don't just go and send us a letter saying send some money. Because we'll respond by saying bog off. Yeah, it's not buy one, get one free. You didn't talk to us. You didn't include us. You didn't let us empower you in the decision. You're on your own, Jimmy. Oh, I don't like that. You must begin to witness where you are. Yeah? You see, the trouble is with the church is, the reason why we don't have so many game changers is because some have talked but have no walk. Yeah? Others have a walk, but don't talk. Yeah? And I think many of us fall into that bracket. We have a walk with God. We do love God. Our walk is genuine. It's sincere. It's authentic. But we don't talk. We haven't found our voice. We haven't found our message. Despite all the authentic lessons we've been to, despite all my notes, despite all my CDs I compile, I've got a wonderful, wonderful compilation of CDs, I still haven't found my voice. And God comes back and says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for in this church. Why? It's not that he doesn't love us. It's not that he doesn't want to use us. But he can't use us because we have no voice. Because we won't let the Holy Ghost come in we're happy, we're happy for the Holy Ghost to be on us. But we don't want the Holy Ghost working through us. Come on. We want the Holy Ghost working through us. My job, my joy and my job is to see everyone in this church uncomfortable. With the Holy Ghost. My job and my joy will be to see you in your workplace, in your environment, and the Holy Ghost tapping on your shoulder and saying, go and speak to him. Go and speak to her. Go and speak to them. And you're going, and then you get given a testimony, you lost four stone. In fear and wait that God wanted to use you. Yeah? Well, I finally spoke. Hey, pastor, I lost three stone. Guess what? You can't, we haven't got a ministry of fear. But when the Holy Ghost starts talking onto you, those knees start knocking. And then you start to discover your voice. You begin to discover your faith. And you begin to discover the Holy Ghost. It was quite interesting in our authentic sonship group on uh, Thursday. We really finished strong in our group. And we, on the last question about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 
many of our folks in our, in our group began to speak about how they wanted the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. And we said, well, okay, why do we want to? And then the misthought, actually the thought that was, went a, a bit drift and we put it back in was, people were thinking about the gifts in a church context. And we said, let's take the church away from the gifts for a minute and let's see where the gifts were used more in the New Testament. Where were they used? Outside. But there are rules for how some of the gifts are to work inside the church. But there are no rules for working outside of the church. The only rule is the Holy Ghost must be leading. You must be walking with God. Yeah, you must be hearing from heaven. So there are rules, the three rules. Okay, walk with God, hear from heaven, and trust the Holy Ghost. Yes? But if we can get into the marketplace with the spiritual gifts and with this word and this message and the messenger, reformation, transformation will come. And guess what? It's all sitting in here just waiting to happen. It's all waiting in here. It's sat there. And all you're worried about and I'm worried about is looking a numpty. What if? What happens? What happens is you open your mouth and the Holy Ghost speaks. Well, what happens if I look an idiot? So what? It's not the first time you've been called an idiot, is it? Come on. Do you think they're going to stone you? No. But what happens if they receive? Ah. Do you, sure? you think they will receive? Try it. The Holy Ghost is, is speaking to so many people out there that your voice is like therapy to them. The Holy Ghost, go ahead of me today. Whoever I speak to you today, Lord, may you already be there, maybe touching their hearts right now, oh God. So when I open my mouth, Lord, there's a parallel. I've got, an, I've got a road right into them. Speak with those you know. Speak with those who will receive your message. Yes? And those who don't want to receive your message, don't force it. Don't force it. And don't just go, listen, if you're white English, don't just speak to white English. If you're African, don't just speak to your own countrymen. Why? Because you're in a city, God's put you in a city, in a multicultural city. Now, you might preach, you might speak to Africans because they're the ones you know. Yes? So it makes so they the first people or a white English colleague or whatever colour they are, English, it doesn't matter. You might that's where you might start, but don't limit your, your witness there. Speak to every tribe, every tongue, every culture. Don't worry about them not understanding English. You'll find out. You'll find out. Yeah? Give them a leaflet. Bring them to to church. You might be able to get the whole deal done in one day. You might, it's a process. You sow the seed. You don't know who's been there before. One sows, one waters. It's God who gives the increase. So the Holy Ghost must come. He must work on you. He must work on you. He must work in you. He must work through you. He must speak to you and beyond you. Come on, church. Right in here, the game changes. All it takes is your faith and boldness to do it. This must become our lifestyle, not a season emphasis. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But on who? And why? (coughs) My job, my joy is to see you uncomfortable. You go, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I know you don't. That's when you're at your strongest. So you read these scriptures, when I'm weak, then he is strong. Liar, try it. Try it. Try it. Then get the reality of it. Then say, yes, I was weak. And then you realize there's nothing of me. It's the Holy Ghost. But it's the Holy Ghost, you and the Holy Ghost, the partner in. It's not just him, it's you and him. He doesn't overtake you, you know. See, like a robot. No, no. You receive him on the inside. You sense his presence in your environment. And you take him into the environment. You invade territories. So some, are, some have talk, but no walk. Some have the talk. So say some have the walk, but have no talk. Some have the walk and the talk, but they don't have the demonstration of power. Hey, listen, some of us are all walk and talk. We're no problem walking and talking. But guess what? There's no power. There's no power. Now, come on, let's think of it this way for a minute. You're in, you're in your school or you're in your workplace or whatever it is you go to. Someone's on crutches. Someone's sick. Can you just imagine saying, oh, I'm sorry to see that you're sick. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? I've seen God do some amazing miracles. What's someone going to say? No, 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 I don't want any of that stuff. Guess what? Carry on then. Carry on then. Someone could just say, do you know what? I really appreciate you doing that. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's pray a prayer. Let's all close our eyes. No, let them keep their eyes open. Because you could be robbing them. You could be robbing them. Don't get all religious here. We've now got to raise our holy hands. We've now got to speak in tongues for five minutes, I wish. We've now got to create an environment for God to move in. You are the environment. Just say, can I pray for you? Yeah, great. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. What's your name? What's your name? Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Right now, Father, I just, is it all right if I put my hands on you? Okay. It's too late, I've done it. Well, <laughs> is it all right if I lay? Excuse me. Yeah, okay. You remember, you're, you're, all the, you're the people in the, in the marketplace right now. We're having a one-on-one here with God. Is that right if I just pray for you? Yes. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just bring Jimmy's knees to you, Father. And I ask you, in the name of Jesus, you heal his knees. Let the power of God flow through you right now in Jesus' name. How do you feel, Jimmy? Well, uh, just move a bit, Jimmy. Just see, you can move. Okay. My name's Tony. I'm a Christian. I just wanted you to know that God is a healing God. Da-da. Da-da. How hard was that? You think... Everybody close their eyes because I'm embarrassed now because I'm praying for Jimmy with bad knees. No. Don't be freaky. Don't be spiritual spooky. Just be genuine. Guess what happens if they get healed? And don't start dancing like a charismatic if they get healed. And don't ask for an offering. 
You'd be surprised some of the games that people play. We need to be walkie-talkie carrying power people. We need to walk, we need to talk, we need to carry power. No use carrying power if you can't use it. Yeah? Some of your power cards ran low. It's time to top up. Get the power card. You know, very often you see people go next door here to the shop around the corner for their electric card. You know, topping it up. Because right now they've got no power at home. And if they don't top up the card, no power. Yeah? So they can have £10 worth of electric. In our day, we used to put 50 pence in the meter, turn it, woo, power came on. Yeah? It's called walking in the Holy Ghost. If you keep walking in the Holy Ghost, guess what? Your power card's always at its maximum. Yeah? And that's why people look for pastors to lay hands on them because they've got no power of their own. They think that he's got all the power. And then that creates idolatry. The Holy Ghost was given to everyone so we all could receive the same measure. Wow. In, good, in God good. So no one can buy more than anybody else. There is no, you can't come to a church and buy 10 pounds worth of power. You can't buy 10 pounds worth of miracles. Come on. You can't do it. Romans 8, 9 says this. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Holy Ghost. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Holy Ghost, he does not belong to Christ. Wow. That's powerful. So do you have the Holy Ghost? Oh, let me ask you, let me reverse it. How many of you belong to Christ? Right then. So you have his power. So if you have his power, he could legitimately, for some of us, not every one of us, he could, and this goes right around the church globally, he could turn around and say, you're a fake, you're a fake, you're a fake, you're a fraud. I'm taking my power back because you don't use what I've given you. True? See, my mother-in-law, she's just, got, she's just transferred over now to a new smartphone. The only thing that's smart right now is the phone. Because we've had training sessions and training sessions about how to use this mobile phone. And I say, Margaret, I said, this is the only time I want you to get religious. She said, what do you mean? I said, on a smartphone, you do that and that. That and that. So I just think you're a good Catholic. Catholic, she's Protestant, my mother, so that wound her up. And then, but on her old phone, this is what happens. She's got about 120 quid worth of credit. What does that tell you? She doesn't use the device. So now she wants to buy a smartphone. And in all fairness, it's because of her eyes. And she sees it. She's like that. So then she's like that. Attacking the device. Margaret, it's blessing it. Remember? Ah, right, yeah. Hey, see that, Jack? She's like talking Scottish. Ah, hey, hey, look, Tony. Hey, it's working. I know it works. The issue is, can you discover it working? Can you get it working for your needs? She's got all this power and all this credit, but she's not using it. So guess what? A bigger church doesn't change anything. A church with all nice, you know, glossy front on it. So you think, I'll go for the new, I'll go for the latest iChurch. I'll go for the iChurch that's got all the toys on the front, all the, you know, all the glitz and the glimmer. 
Right? Guess what? It doesn't matter. You're still not using it. You might as well go back to the Nokia church. Only six of you. And you're scrolling down the name list very quickly. Because there's only six of you in the church. But I guess what? You use the power. You use what you had. You're better off with Nokia church than an iChurch. If you don't use the power that you've got. Come on, let's be honest. And how many of us on our mobile devices, and I'm the worst one for this, so I'll, I'll put myself out there for the hanging first, don't use what the phone's capable of. I only use, I only use the internet for one thing. Football results. <laughs> on my phone, that is. I don't use Facebook on my phone. I wait until I'm, I'm on my pad with that. I have different operation things for different devices. Yeah? I remember the day when we had none of these and we just went home, found out the conventional way, turned the radio on, or we, we had to ask someone, you know, maybe we had to talk to someone. Hey, there's a, a revelation. Talk to someone. Wow. We watched the video in our communications course, and, and I love the line it says, when, you, when your phone's down to the last bar, and this is, what, this is the line what the guy says, I pray for the day when my phone's down to the last bar and I'm closer to humanity. What a fantastic line. The moment you get rid of all these devices, you go back to what you were always built to do, talk. And you use the power. The power. Why? Because these devices are killing our language. They're stopping us from talking. Oh yeah, we're sending texts to people we don't like. Your Facebook's all about likes. People don't like you, get over it. It's a like. That's all it is. I've got a mother-in-law that says, what like? (laughs) Get over it. They don't like you. Ask him for some money. Then you'll find out. So these devices are actually killing us. They're not bringing us closer to one another. Now, I know there's a lot of good uses for them. But talking doesn't seem to be one of them. Antisocial devices. But guess what? We all love them. And we all loathe them. We hate the fact that our kids are sat at the dinner table texting when, they, when they're not talking to the people in front. You go to how many parties and people are texting each other. They're sat right in front of them. <laughs> so we've got the iChurch. But doesn't talk. It can do a lot of things. But that word is summed up in the can. Not necessarily does. So we have an issue. We need to find our voice. We need to find our message. God needs to find his messenger. God's kingdom is going to come. God's kingdom is going to come. It is coming every day. It's finding its audience. It's finding its vessels. Last scripture. Because I've changed my whole game now because my videos won't work and I'm brassed off. So I've had to change route. Tact. This is called, you do this long enough, you know. And when I've got something good to show you and good something to say about what I'm showing you, I'm going to wait until it's ready. Yeah? I'm not going to give you something that's not working. I'm going to give you the whole thing because we belong to an (laughs) iChurch. I'm just telling you, there's not a problem with the way I use technology. It's that machine at the back. (laughs) 
it works upstairs. Why don't you all come upstairs in my office and as I'll, we can have a look at it on my computer. It, I was so impressed that I could get movies into PowerPoint this week. I, was, I thought, wow, I'm, re- I'm a techno-apostle now. I bring it downstairs and boom, back to the dark ages. There's the problem. Hey, It does work. It does work. When I'm playing upstairs, fantastic. I got saved upstairs. Anyway, Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Opposition arose from the members of the synagogue of the freedom, of the free, freed men, I should say. And it was called, as it was called, the Jews of Cyrene, Alexandria, Alexandra, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom, wisdom or the spirit from which he whom spoke. Read that again. Opposition arose. This is Stephen's first preach. However, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia, these men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Wow. Why are we worried about who we speak to? Why are we worried about how much they know? How, why are we worried about how much we think they might know? Let me make it really simple. So we've already said this morning, we're going to speak in the city we're born, or the city we live, should say. We're going to speak to those people we know. We're going to speak to those people where our message re- is received. And here's the next one, the last, the last one for this. We are going to preach Christ crucified and nothing else. Not your opinion, not their opinion. We're not debating. We are just preaching how Christ, how they need to be saved. Keep it on that issue alone. I'm telling you, they will be, flawed, they will be uh, indefenseless. Is that the right word? Defenseless, sorry. You're in defenseless, they're defenseless. They will not have a leg to stand on. If you're just talking, what happened if you died tonight? You need salvation. If you just keep it on that issue, I guarantee you'll win more than you'll lose. The issue is when you start letting them debate, and, and then you just end up debating, you're, not, you're no longer preaching Christ crucified. You're now having a mental sparring match. Okay? So as an atheist, doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if we can, if we can talk about the science and, and, it, and the physics of the universe. Guess what? It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. To believe all this came from nothing takes a lot of faith. And if you say, well, we all came from monkeys, they say, when was the last time you saw a monkey evolve? If it happened, why isn't it still happening? Stephen had wisdom and the Holy Ghost. You need wisdom and the Holy Ghost. The wisdom is preach Christ crucified. Just tell them how to get saved and the consequences of them not being saved. That's all you need to say. 
That makes you a Holy Ghost terrorist. Come on. If you can't even tell someone how to get saved after you've been saved all these years, shame on you. Shame on you. You don't need to use all the scriptures. Let the Holy Ghost get behind what you're saying. Let the Holy Ghost, listen, he's the one who has to show the person they need salvation. You can't do it. Ramming it, forcing it is not going to work. But when the opportunity comes to tell them, tell them. Tell them. Let them know what you know. No one can ever, ever, ever dispute. They can argue. They might not believe, but no one can take your testimony away. No one. You know, I marvel when I listen to these people talk and they give you all this empirical evidence, so-called empirical evidence about why the universe was not come from God. And I'm just sat there thinking, hey, the one who is in me is greater than the dipstick who's looking at me. Come on. I'm sat there, I'm thinking, I know who I believe. I know what he spoke to me. I know how he's moved in my life. Carry on, fella. Keep telling me your, evi- your so-called empirical evidence. Now I'm going to tell you how to be saved. I'm not phased by what they know. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to show respect. Listen and show respect. Understand them. And then come back to your point. Listen to them. Even if they take you, you can come back to the point. Salvation. This is how a man must be saved. All the time, come back to the main issue. Keep the main thing, the main thing. I learned that a hard way with Mormons. Mormons had me, in a, had me in the corner. They give me all this stuff about Moroni. And I'm thinking, oh my Lord, I don't even know my own Bible now. And I just sent one of those SOS prayers up. I just said, Lord, get me out of here. Show me how to turn it around. And I heard very clearly, preach Christ crucified. And within 10 minutes, these boys couldn't get out the door fast enough. And I saw something right before my eyes that day, how powerful preaching Christ crucified is. I really did see the power. These boys did not have a leg to stand on, and they were more embarrassed now that they couldn't answer me. And it's like, what a game changer that was. What a game changer that was. Christ crucified. Because I'm connected to the Holy Ghost. I spoke to him. He spoke to me. He spoke through me. And before you know it, we turned defeat into, well, we didn't eviction because they're still not saved. But what it did do is it turned it around and it gave me a platform to speak to people. And after that, I thought, that's it now. Gun in the pocket. I know, I know how to shoot you now. I know how to shoot you. So irrespective of who comes at me now, Christ crucified. Paul says, I've resolved to know nothing else except Christ crucified. Church, this is what we must do. Christ has been crucified so that we can go and proclaim his victory. The Holy Ghost is the game changer. You must find your voice. You must find your message. You, he must, he must put the voice, or so you must put the voice and the message together so you become his messenger. Can we do that, church? Can we really do that? This week, I really want, I want you to seriously ask the Holy Ghost, where can I speak? And if your knees shake, that's a good sign that you're in the right place. If you're losing weight by the end of the week, absolutely it was beneficial. And if you think, I can do this, I'm all right, problem. 
If, it's, if you're a person who does that and it's natural to you, well, come and show us. Come and tell us so we can learn from you. Seriously. But start with who you know. Start with those who you think will receive your message. Amen? And then preach Christ crucified. Nothing else. Amen? Let's stand to our feet, if we will. I want you to put your hands over your own heart. We're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us become his witnesses. Now listen, when you're praying in a minute, you're only praying what God has already declared over your life. You will be my witnesses. That's your destiny right there. So every time you open your mouth to witness, you know it's the will of God. What you must find out is the timing of God. As you walk with the Holy Spirit, it's finding the timing of God. Is this the person, Lord? Because the Holy Spirit is moving. He's doing an unseen work behind you. So when you get in on the scene, you want to only just do what the Holy Spirit's doing. Jesus said, I never do anything my Father has not done. I only do what he does. Why? Because I've got permission then. Holy, my Father's been working behind the scenes. So when I get there on the scene... Kingdom explosion. So that's what we need to do. A greater intensity, a greater awareness walking in the Holy Spirit. So when I walk into an environment tomorrow, people might know you, who, you, who you are, but the opportunity for you to tell them and present something to them has never been afforded. But now it's going to change. Now it's going to change. You must share your faith, church. This is the mandate for the kingdom. It starts there. There is no kingdom transformation unless there is first witnesses that's the basic bottom line of the church that's what we're all called to do so we've got the gift we've got the grace we've got everything we need to be a witness that's what makes us competent ministers amen so right now say holy spirit i receive your word this morning i'm called to be a witness So right now, I'm going to take my stand. I'm here in Manchester. I've got people in front of me. I've got people beyond me. Holy Ghost, here I am, the vessel. Use me. Help me find the message. Help me find my voice. This week, Holy Ghost, you're going to give me opportunities. Lord, I ask you, Father, to be gentle with me. Give me your courage. Give me your strength, your boldness to speak to those people who need speaking to. Father, I'm going to trust you that you know all things. And from this moment on, my witness is going to change. In Jesus' name. Amen.